This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Filmmaker Don Porter had a unique challenge in making a documentary about Representative John Lewis, the Georgia Democrat who recently turned 80 and has been a civil rights hero for more than half a century. How do you say something new and interesting about someone so familiar? One way to do that was through having him watch archival footage of himself as a teenager all the way to the present day. And it pays off in her new film, John Lewis, Good Trouble, as Lewis starts telling stories about his life that have seldomly been heard before. Porter's previous project, the Netflix miniseries Bobby Kennedy for President, showed the deep connection between Kennedy and Lewis in the civil rights era and also provided some valuable archive material that led Porter straight into this new film, which will be out on demand on July 3rd. Today's episode of Political Theater is the second part of our interview with Porter. The first, which aired last month, focused on Lewis himself. In part two, Porter and I discuss the relationship between Bobby Kennedy and John Lewis, as well as the relationship between the two projects, some of the cool behind-the-scenes craft that went into the film, and the decisions she made as a documentarian, and how to portray the person behind a very public persona. A couple of years ago, we we talked about Bobby Kennedy for president. Your your uh, documentary miniseries for Netflix about Kennedy's campaign and and you know RFK and and Lewis were so important to each other's lives and work in the '60s. And you know that that documentary miniseries came out two years ago. And and then you know based on I'm guessing based on some of the 2018 campaign coverage and and so forth, you just went from one project to another. Talk about that transition from working on this pretty massive RFK project and then this pretty massive project about, you know, a, a kind of an American icon. What was uh, required jumping from one to another? Yeah, you know, um, I'm glad you asked that because it was really like such a natural progression to go from one to the other. I mean, John Lewis, in a lot of ways, was a star of that Bobby Kennedy series. I mean, his explaining, it is so important today. John Lewis was the staff organizer for Bobby Kennedy's rally in Indianapolis the night that Martin Luther King was murdered. It was John Lewis who encouraged Bobby Kennedy to go out and speak to the crowd that night. And Indianapolis, as we know, is one of the cities that did not have burning and and fires and all of that disruption. And and so when you think about that today, think about the idea that a city did not burn when we had a leader saying, I hear you, I understand you, I will work with you. This seems to be a lesson that Atlanta's mayor and Atlanta's police chief seem to get because they went into the crowds in Atlanta and said, I'm with you. And I think that in the places where we've had leaders able to rise above the fray, we have had some success. Bobby Kennedy and John Lewis are so, you know, so intertwined. Their stories are so intertwined. Um, So it was actually like for a documentary person, it was kind of joyous. It was like, I got to continue (laughs) the journey I'd started. You know, Kennedy is like the 50s. And as you say, like really deeply into the 60s. And then 
looking at the same period, you know, through the eyes of another leader was really, really, you know, like for a geeky poli-sci person. (laughs) Those are our people. Those are my people. (laughs) So, you know, it was, um, you know, it was really, it was CNN that came to me after um, I did Bobby Kennedy's series. They had had success with the RBG documentary so I think that they were kind of looking for another 80-year-old to, <laughs> to turn their attention to. Um, but it was it just came at a perfect time for me. Both, you know, I worked job to job. So there was that. But also just being in that headspace. And, you know, the other thing is the same archivist who I worked with on Bobby Kennedy worked on John Lewis Project. So I had been in that kind of headspace of going from one to the next. And the archivist had been quietly kind of setting aside really like he's he's I love him so much like he sent me a list of cool things he found while working on the Kennedy film and uh, in that was some like cool things that hadn't been really seen or explored so much in John Lewis's life so it was like such a fortuitous you know like we we sometimes in documentary talk about the documentary gods like are the documentary gods with you and definitely here the documentary gods were were with us in that I had this kind of I was already in this mindset of, you know, and to some extent, it's an exploration of the same question. What causes somebody to change? What leads a 15-year-old who has never seen integration, what allows him to imagine a life in which he is treated fairly and equally? What allows, what what happens to him? What are the, the things that push him to change? And similarly with Bobby Kennedy, complete opposite side of the spectrum a man of privilege who easily could have, you know, done the let them eat cake situation. What causes him to, to grow and change? And their stories are the stories of the two of them coming together in large measure. So to be able to go from that project to this was, was really satisfying. They're very different styles they're very different, you know, films, but you know, another thing is I was often so frustrated with the questions I wanted to ask Bobby Kennedy how did you feel here? And with John Lewis, I had the opportunity to do that. So, you know, from a filmmaking perspective, and that's why I, I, you know, you see the part in the film where we sit him down with footage and have him like watch it and respond to it. John Lewis has been asked every question about his life multiple times. And so he kind of has a you know way of of describing those moments, and I wanted to kind of interrupt that compulsion and and you know see if we could get some other details. So we were at Brian Stevenson's remarkable Civil Rights Museum in um, Alabama, and John Lewis was watching. So we were filming. We weren't filming in the museum, but we were filming that weekend. Is is this the one that's about halfway between Selma and Montgomery? Yes, okay, exactly. I, I've I've been there. It's chilling. It's really chilling. It is a remarkable place, and having that history put together so beautifully that way. Watching John Lewis watch himself, mm-hmm. he turned to there was a teenager next to him, and he said, "I can't believe that's me." And then he started telling a story that I'd never heard before, and I thought, "Oh." Maybe we need to really bring him back. So we rented the arena stage in DC and uh, constructed three large screens around him. And Rich, the archivist, and Jessica, the editor, and I put together these like mini films and just played them for him. 
and had him tell me the story of those moments. So, you know, that was a way to like get him to say, you know, to really, he was kind of living in it and have him respond. Um, but that was inspired by that moment in Brian Stevenson's museum. I really respect the fact that you you also got into some parts of his life. I mean, there are some great personal details about like, you know, from his brothers and sisters, from uh, his, his late wife, um, the art in his house is all really cool. But you also, um, you, you show some things that are kind of unflattering too. I mean, like the, the race against Julian Bond for the Democratic nomination in, in 1986 for that congressional seat was a rough one. He challenged Bond to a drug test. You know, I mean, like Ed Bond really did not <laughs> appreciate that. He thought it was, he thought it was a, a way of, of kind of race baiting. And then you also saw, show some of the legislative stuff, which is, you know, I mean, one, I mean, he's it, he doesn't get a lot of credit, as much credit for being a legislator as he does for being an American hero. I, I think most people would take the American hero status. Just fine. Uh, but so, it, was it was it hard sometimes to um, to take to strip away some of the folk hero? You know, because he is a folk hero. No, and, no, and talk about that, this as a man. And, and yeah, no, I th- I think that that's the object of documentary is we don't need a postage stamp. We need a person. Because if you're going to be motivated, you know, if I tell you that everything, you know, looks like a superhuman is doing it, then you're not going to think that you can do anything. But John Lewis, you know, and I also think being a Black filmmaker, it was really important to me to say, hey, you know what? The Black community is not always like marching in lockstep. There's, if we're going to be fully human and treated as fully human, you got to see the rough parts as well as, um, and, and, you know, I, I think this is part of like the social media phenomenon where we just see a perfectly constructed life. And I'm more interested in the messy parts because that's where you grow, right? So I think that um, he really values and loves Julian Bond as a person. I think it was important to him to come out of that. You know, he would not, I asked him nine ways till Sunday to tell me about it. And he just didn't want to talk about it. So I made the the film construct decision to let the archive speak and let those men, let that those moments have that moment. And, you know, the point of that is we all make decisions that, you know, we look back on, maybe we regret, maybe we don't, but they, they happened. They're part of our history. Especially if you get to be 80 years old, right? Especially <laughs> if you get to be 80. Yeah. And you know what? So it involves the audience, right? Because we all love that John Lewis is where he is. What if he hadn't done that? Would he have won that race? I don't know. But it involves us in that decision-making. And, and I really like moments in film where you can involve your audience in those, you know, like I think some films like Amy does that really well, where you're watching her descent into oblivion, but you can't stop watching because she's so fanatical. And that's the genius of that movie is the thing that killed her is what we're all doing now. So no, it was absolutely a goal and CNN was 100% on board with this to remind people that he is a, a man and a person. Um, and I think that that's what gives him his full humanity is not just assuming that everything is fine and nothing bothers him and nothing touches his heart because that could not be farther from the truth. Thank you so much for uh, taking the the a, a part of our uh, quarantine uh, pandemic 
uh, life <laughs> to talk about the new film. It's out July 3rd. It'll air on CNN first then, I, I take it? It will air on demand first. It's being released by Magnolia Pictures. Um, and then it will be on CNN in the fall. So so on demand July 3rd and then later on in the fall on on CNN. Okay. Um yeah, it it's a uh it, it's a really I mean again for uh for people who are listening to political theater, uh it, it's a it's I it might be an easy sell, but it's also as just as a a a documentary film about a person about a politician. It's it's uh it's it's an accomplishment. So congratulations on it. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Political Theater. As we approach the Independence Day holiday, watching John Lewis' Good Trouble feels like a quintessentially American thing to do amid all these fireworks. His story is a big part of the American experience. It's about a regular person who went on to do big things for his country, challenging the country to live up to the ideals that it set for itself in 1776. That all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happy 4th of July, everybody, and thank you for listening. Political Theater is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is owned by Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.